you would look with me at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 1, we'll start here. The scripture says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, our fellow, dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not to cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and in increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's go to God in prayer and ask for His help this morning. Lord, thank You so much for this eternal Word that You've given us. Thank You for the truth. Thank You for these Scriptures. I pray and ask for Your blessing and Your help this morning. I pray that uh, You would help us to really focus our attention on what You said this morning and be uh, ready to act upon whatever You speak to us about. Lord, I ask for Your help uh, to preach this. Pray for help to communicate it clearly. We ask this in Your name. Amen. When you look at this text, Paul prayed without ceasing for these believers. Uh, these believers are at Colossae. He had heard of their faith in Christ. He had heard of their love for one another, and, and they knew the, that there was a hope laid up for them in heaven. So these believers there, um, he, Paul knew that they had believed the grace of God as it was revealed in the gospel, and that's what he spends the first seven, eight verses talking about. Um, and, and they had borne fruit in their lives. And yet Paul, without ceasing, would pray for them. And what I want to do this morning, I want to examine the prayer and desire that, that Paul had. And I know we find the heart of God in this prayer, in this desire. But I want to look at this. And uh, those of you that are parents in here, I, I want us to see how we can better pray for our kids. How we can better pray for our teenagers and children. And you guys that are teenagers, this is how you can pray for each other, how you can pray for yourself. Um, it, it's a real cool study when you look at these different prayers that are in the Scriptures. Now, as a parent, um, let me say this. I thought this was fun. Uh, Kerry Schmidt, he's a pastor in Connecticut now, but uh, he spent over 15 years as the youth pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church in Lancaster, California. Uh, and, you know, they've got over 4,000 people on any given Sunday. So uh, he's no, he knows a little bit about youth ministry. And he wrote this in his book, Passionate Parenting. He said, he said this, To be responsible for the physical, emotional, relational, intellectual, and spiritual development and health of another soul is enough to drive any well-balanced adult into an asylum. <laughs> Have you ever felt like as a parent, have you ever had those days where you're like, I know I really am normal. <laughs> I'm the normal one here, right? Um, he said this, well, here's some good news for you. When you feel helpless, you're not. When you feel powerless, you're not. When you feel that you don't have the knowledge or expertise that parenting requires, you have access to the greatest parent of all time. 
you have access to the timeless wisdom of Almighty God and His Spirit at work in your life. And if there's anything that you can do, if there's anything that we can do for our children, it's pray for them. Pray for them. And so let's see how Paul prayed, what his desire was for these believers. Now, here's the deal. There are four requests that I find in here. We're going to deal with one this morning. I think the first one, we're going to look at four components of the first one. The second one I plan on dealing with tonight. And then, Lord willing, I think I get to preach in two weeks for pastors who's going to be in Washington. And so we might finish up the third and fourth one here in two weeks. But, so today, we're going to spend our time focusing on this one verse. If you look at verse 9, he says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want us to look at this desire this morning, that they might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So, to start out, kids are filled with energy. How many of you have ever experienced that? Those of you that are in junior church, how many of you have ever worked in junior church? Kids are filled with energy. I can throw Chloe in the air above my head 10 feet a bazillion times. And on that last time, you know what she says? Mo, 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 please. <laughs> she, what does she want? She just wants to be thrown, I think, until my arms fall off. Um, it's amazing when you watch children, you know, and you've all seen different videos of a kid where they're just over and over, they'll laugh at something. I've seen a video before of a baby where the, the adult was just tearing paper. And uh, I do this with Jay Curlis sometimes. He really enjoys this. He just starts laughing, you know. You tear paper and the little baby just cracking up. It's amazing what amuses him. Um, but kids, kids are filled with energy. You fill, to fill means this. It means pr- properly to press, to crowd, to stuff. Hence, to put or pour in till the thing will hold no more. Now, I want you to think about God. Paul said, I desire that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Do you know what that would do in what that would do for me in my life as I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will where it's packed in there? It's stuffed. I'm so full of the knowledge of God's will that there's not room for anything else. You think about this. We make decisions differently when we're filled, don't we? You just, it's fun to see guys get filled. We, we take, uh, periodically we go with the men down to Quaker Steak. And uh, we, we have to go down there on the all wings night. And it's amazing to see how many wings these guys can pack away. And any normal person would love things like apple pie a la mode, you know, fudge cake. But you pack yourself full of hot wings. And then the waitress comes by and says, is there anything else you'd like? You're going... No. <laughs> when any other time, if you weren't filled with that, you would have that dessert, you'd have that extra little bit, you'd have that extra wing. But when you're filled, you make decisions differently, don't you? When I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will, it changes the decisions that I make. And you know, the Lord knew that. He said in Deuteronomy 6, He, he told the Israelites, He said, He had just given them the law, was getting ready to, to expound upon it more. And He said, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You see, and, and that's why 
It's important not only to have your kids in Sunday school and in Awana where they can hear the Word of God, but for us as parents to be communicating the Word of God to them on a regular basis, filling them with the Word of God. And, and is, there, is there anything cooler than seeing children in Awana learn those verses and come racing in, hey, I've got five this week, I've got one this week, or I've got um, you know, however many it is. And what are they doing? They're, they're getting filled with the knowledge of God's will. God says, I want you to teach them. As you're walking by the way, as you're uh, you know, going to get that ice cream, as you're going to pick up the lumber at uh, Lowe's, as you're going about your daily business, talk about spiritual things. Talk about the Word of God so they can be mindful of it. Charles Spurgeon said this, When a measure is full of wheat, there is no room for chaff. And you see... If I pray for these teenagers, if I pray for these students, that they, would be, that they would be so filled with the knowledge of God's will that the world's wisdom wouldn't have any room to enter in. That, 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 that when the world tries to teach them certain things, that when the world tries to get them to go to a certain way, that, that they're so filled with the Word of God that they say, well, I know what God's Word says about that, and God says this. I know what God's Word says about that. And, and, and so they're just so full of that, there's no room for the chaff. Um, how cool would it be for my daughter, how cool to be for your son, your daughter, to be so filled with the knowledge of God's will. There's not room for the world. There's not room for it. Paul prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. So here's my question to you. What fills my child's heart? Let me ask you teenagers. You know, we talked this morning in Sunday school. The Bible says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, of good report, Think on these things. And we went to Hebrews where the Bible says that by it, the elder, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. The, the good report that God wants you to think about are all of the different accounts in the Bible of people that, that took a stand for him, that lived for him, that by faith did great things. And we were able to fill our minds in Sunday school with, with Dan, stories about Daniel and David and, and uh, David's mighty men and Esther. And it's amazing what... What it does for your faith as you think about the accounts from the Word of God. But let me ask you, teenager, what are you filled with in your life? What, what consumes your thinking? Is it the knowledge of God's will? Secondly, not only does Paul pray that they might be filled, but he prays that they would might be filled with the knowledge of His will. Um, Charles Spurgeon said this, Paul knew that spiritual ignorance is the constant source of error, instability, and sorrow. And therefore, he desired that they might be soundly taught in the things of God. You see, not only do we need to be filled with something, we need to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, a couple things about that. We can know God's will. We can know God's will. You know, there are a lot of people that today, if, if they thought about how can I find out God's will, uh, there would be all kinds of things that they would come up with. But we know that we can find God's will in His Word. So let's take a look at a couple of scriptures. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, if you would, with me. We'll look at a couple of things that the Bible says specifically. These are specifically God's will. 2 Peter chapter number 3. Look at verse number 8. The Bible. Uh, look at verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the Scripture, the scripture declares uh, in complete clarity that there is a judgment day coming. 
And the heavens and the earth which are now, they're going to pass away. And the Bible says in verse number 8, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. What does that mean? Time is all the same to God. He's outside of time. God doesn't grow old. And the Scripture says in verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I can say that uh, completely from the word of God, that it is not God's will that anybody perish. The Bible says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it is not God's will that one single person die and spend eternity in hell apart from Him forever. It's not God's will. Yet God lets men choose what they, what they will when it comes to accepting or rejecting Christ. But I can know that this morning, if you're in here and you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ by faith as your Savior, and you're trusting in something else to get you to heaven, I can tell you this. It is not God's will that you die and go to hell. God wants you to trust Him as your Savior today. We can know that very clearly. Then, if I know it's not God's will that any perish... As a believer, if I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will, that means that the people that I meet, the people that live on my street, the people that live next door to me, I know that God doesn't want them to perish. And it motivates us to give people the gospel, doesn't it? Because when I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will, I might treat that person at the gas station a little differently. I might treat that person that I meet out at, uh, at the store a little differently, knowing God doesn't want this person to go to hell how can I get them the gospel? How can I be the best testimony to them that I can? Then not only is it uh, we can know God's will with that, but uh, look at First Thessalonians. We'll see two other things that the Bible says are specifically God's will in First Thessalonians. And the pastor has actually preached a message on this within the last few years, so we won't spend a lot of time on it. But it's important to look at these uh, passages where the Bible says specifically we know that this is God's will. So First Thessalonians chapter 4, we find the first one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 3 says this, For this is the will of God. Now that couldn't be any plainer, could it? (laughs) For this is the will of God, uh, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So it is God's will that the believer abstain from fornication. So as our young people are filled with the knowledge of God's will, how many of you recognize that will help them live a holy, godly, pure life? So you can know as a teenager, it is God's will for you to abstain, to completely hold up, uh, to completely um, stay away from and not participate in any way in fornication is what the scripture says. That's God's will for your life. And so uh, that'll help you to stay right and, and stay pure with, with God. Now look at First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, next chapter over, look at verse 18. Again, these are things that are specifically mentioned in the scriptures as being God's will. Chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, those of you that were here when Pastor preached through 1 Thessalonians, you'll remember that when we, at first glance, you read that verse and you're going, Oh, really? <laughs> I got to give thanks for everything? Well, what's the preposition? In everything give thanks. You know, you get in a car accident. Oh, thank God for the car accident. Well, uh, we don't have to thank God for everything that comes into our lives, but in every situation, in everything, the Bible says it is God's will that we give thanks. Um, so that, that's another thing that we can know that's God's will. Now, there, there are some things that specifically are lined out in the Scriptures that we can know that are God's will. There are also things 
that we can prove that are God's will. Look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we'll start in verse number 1. The scripture here says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love this. You know what God's will is? It's three things. God's will is always good. It's always good. And there may be times when we're in a situation or circumstances happen around us and we feel like, God, this isn't very good. I don't like this. I don't want this. But God, His, His will, it's good. He's working for His glory and to, to bring us closer to Him. For, so God's will is good. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. Now, who does it have to be acceptable to? To Him. God's will are things that are acceptable to Him. And then it's also perfect. It's the perfect will of God. But how do we, how do we prove those things? Well, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, there were things that I thought were okay when I was in junior high that weren't really okay when I found out more about what God's Word said. And I renewed my mind with it. So let's say, uh, let's say here, we're, while Jay's sitting up front here, you're never going to sit up front again, are you? I'm probably not. <laughs> Jay's up front here, and Jay comes to me and says, "Hey, Pastor Nathan, man, I think that God, I think that God's really doing a lot in my life, and I'm just, I think He wants me to go full time ministry, and so I'm going to go to Bible college, and and um, I, I think that what I'm going to do to get there is I'm going to sell marijuana in order to pay for Bible college. I, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> Come on, marijuana, your dad can get a lot more than that, man." <laughs> Now, what can we know? Is, is God's will for Jay to sell marijuana so he can go to Bible college? No. Any thinking Christian who has the Word of God, who has renewed their mind with the Word of God, would be able to prove... Now, let me ask you this. Would it be God's will for him to go into full-time ministry? You know, between him and the Lord, if, if the Lord's putting that burden on his heart and, and God wants him to go to Bible college, those are, those are things that are good. Those are things that before God are acceptable. Those are things before God that are perfect. But where, where's the part that doesn't line up with those things? Uh, the, Mary, the Mary Jo part, right? Unless you're in Denver. I guess you could, if you were in Denver, you, I guess you can sell marijuana to go to Bible college now. But don't do that, Jake. Um, <laughs> but you see how you, you find out you're able to prove more of God's will by renewing your mind. And it, it, it really is. If you only knew what Christian people thought was okay, like, oh, I've really been praying about this. And you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And you're thinking... Have you read your Bible? Like, what, do you, what, what about that would make you think that's okay? But it's what they want to do. It's what they think. It's not what uh, God says. And so they can know God's will and they can prove God's will. If you are not renewing your mind, though, with God's word, you're not going to make good choices. You guys see that? How does this when you when you surrender your life to be a living sacrifice? You surrender your body to be a living sacrifice to God, and you renew your 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 mind. There will just be things that you thought were okay, or direction that you thought, man, I totally thought God wanted this for me. And uh, when you find out clearly from Scripture that God wants something else, then you need to go in that direction. So that's finding the will of God there. Um, so we want to pray for our kids that they might be filled with the knowledge of His will. But it also says, in all wisdom, 
in all wisdom. Here are a couple of cool things. Look over to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. So again, the verse says, I pray that, that, that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. In all wisdom. You know, God's will, it's amazing the wisdom behind God's plan, God's truth, God's purpose here. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So what that tells me is the person that doesn't understand what God's will is, they're not wise. Now, you know, Jacob, how old are you? you 15? All right. For Jacob to not know the name of the girl that he's going to marry... That's not what I'm talking about. Like, why don't you understand God's will for your life? Why, you know, that that type of specific thing, God will unveil that. But Jake, at the same time, do you know what type of girl God might want you to marry? Like, maybe yeah, one that's a girl, one that's uh, one that's saved and loves the Lord with her heart. You see, there there are some general things that he can know down the road it, it, that, that this is the type of girl, but uh, probably doesn't know her name yet. All right. Um, it, it, there, there's there's wisdom there, it, but if I don't understand if I don't understand that God wants me to be saved, if I'm lost and I don't understand that, I'm not wise. If I'm a believer and I don't understand that God wants me to avoid fornication, I'm not wise. So where am I going to find the wisdom of God? I got to read it in this book, and the more that I learn, the more that I study, the more wise I will become by knowing and understanding God's direction. Um, James one five says this: If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. And upbraideth not. God never will reprimand you for coming to Him and asking for wisdom. He doesn't upbraid. It's not something He corrects you for. He says, you want wisdom? You want wisdom? Let's look at a biblical example of somebody that asked for wisdom. And look at how God poured it out. If you would, look with me at 1 Kings chapter 4. You guys remember King Solomon. And uh, notice what the scripture says here about King Solomon. And we know that in his, when he was just a youth... God said, I'll give you whatever you ask. And he could have asked for the life of his enemies. He could have asked for money and silver and gold. But he asked God for wisdom. He said, God, I don't know how to go out or come in. I don't know how to judge your people. And I'm supposed to be the leader. God, give me wisdom. And God honored that request and then gave him everything else with it. It's unbelievable. Uh, look at 1 Kings chapter 4 and look at verse 29. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largest, of, and largest of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite and He-Man and uh, Go Grayskull. <laughs> hey, today, may the fourth be with you, right? All the comic book people. Uh, but notice these guys, these guys, these are names that you know, we haven't really heard, but in their day, if you would have said He-Man, they would have thought of this really wise guy, uh, Darda, the sons of Mahol. You know, if any of you that are looking, you know, maybe you, uh, Andrea, Darda and Calcol, those are some names for me before, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even under the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. 
God said, do you want wisdom? The Bible says he layeth, the Bible says this in Psalm that says, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. There's another thing that God in the Bible says is He says He lays it up, and it's the depths of the sea. I mean, just, just think about the magnitude, the immensity of God's wisdom. When Solomon asked for it, God poured it out. And when he did, when one man had the wisdom of God poured out on him, do you see what it did? In magnitude, compared to everybody else, he was wiser. Everybody else was going to him for this wisdom, which he just got it from God. It was God's wisdom. And you can read through Psalms and Proverbs and see the, the amazing things that God gave to Solomon. Uh, and you remember the account when those two women came uh, before him in judgment. And uh, the one woman's, they were both harlots. So neither of them had any character. And they come before Solomon in that judgment seat. And they said, well, last night, you know, she, my, my kid died and she took mine. And, you know, they're trying to figure out whose kid this is. And Solomon did something that ne- none of us would have thought to do. And he said, bring me a sword. And remember, he was going to cut the child in half and say, you know what? If you can't figure out whose it is, I'm going to cut it in half. And, and then we'll give you a little bit, you a little bit, and you can go on your merry way. And the mother... She shouted out, right? She had that mother's heart. And she says, no, we'll just, just give the child to her then. And then the other one that wasn't the mother, she goes, eh, okay. And Solomon, God gave him that wisdom to discern, to make a choice that was, that was incredibly difficult. And you know there are going to be choices in our lives that we need to make that are incredibly difficult. But if we will go to God, He will provide the wisdom to make those decisions. He will provide the understanding to, to make the choices that we need to make. Um, so Solomon, God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding. CD much is what the Bible says. So God's will is in all wisdom. And, and you, could spend, you could spend your own Bible study time looking in Proverbs at the difference between wisdom and what the Bible calls its opposite is foolishness. And you look at the consequences of wisdom. It brings health and life and, and just all the positive things that wisdom brings. But it's, it's correlating opposite, that foolishness. You look at the heartache, the heaviness, and the destruction that foolishness brings. And you see, man, God's will is in all wisdom. It's going to lead to a blessed life, not a life that's destroyed. That's when we get away from God's wisdom that, are, that uh, will make destructive choices. So you've got filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. And then the last part of that phrase in Colossians is spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is a, uh, a key passage in looking at spiritual discernment and how the Holy Spirit teaches us the mind of God and how different that is from the ways of the world and, and what the world thinks is wise, what the world thinks is wisdom. So we're talking about knowing God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and if you would look with me at verse number 12. The scripture here reads, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually understood. So what God opens up for us here in this passage is that there is a natural understanding, and there's a spiritual understanding. 
The Bible says that uh, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, follow your heart. And we could go through a list of these things that the natural man, apart from God, would say are okay, it's right, this is the way you ought to go. There's a natural man. And the natural man cannot understand. No matter how hard he tries, he cannot understand the spiritual things. Because they're spiritually discerned. There are things that are taught by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and so, you know, uh, you go to witness to somebody and they ask, you know, is this or that wrong? And you say, well, it is. I can show you from the scripture. And they don't get it. They don't understand it. Um, and, and there are even times when people understand why something, you know, they're lost, but they could understand why something is bad or it's wrong. Uh, but there are things that are spiritually understood. One of the examples that he gives here in this passage, he gave it a little bit earlier in chapter 1. If you look at chapter 1, you see the natural man and the spiritual man, those two opposing ideas at work here in verse 18. The scripture gives this example. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. So you have the preaching of the cross, that Jesus Christ is God. He lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, was beaten, was, had his, his beard plucked off his face, was nailed through his, his wrists and through his feet to a cross, and gave up the ghost. He died, laid down his life, and paid for our sin. And then three days later, rose again from the dead. And the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You hear the preaching of the cross. And the spiritual man says, Amen. Chad's really spiritual this morning. You hear the spiritual man, and he says, Yes, that's awesome. What a great God. Man, what a great Savior. I'm not worthy of that. We sang at the cross in and, and that line. You know, people are taking the natural man doesn't want to think of himself as a worm. We left that in the, the, the verse. It says that he would die for such a worm as I. See, that's a spiritual understanding. But the natural man, he looks at the cross and he says, well, that's stupid. Because there's, that, that natural man is lost and he can't, he can't discern what God has done for him. And unless he trusts Christ and unless he believes the gospel, he will continue in his foolishness. If you go on in this passage, the Bible says in verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the, the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And you have some of the smartest people on the planet. You have a Stephen Hawking who is one of, uh, if he took an IQ test, would just be off the charts. And where does he think we began? He's backed it up now to aliens. And God says, you know what? I'll take the wisdom of your most wise person, and you're going to see that it's foolishness. When you reject me, when you reject my wisdom, then you're going to go in your natural understanding, and it's foolishness, and I'll show you that it's foolishness. Verse Verse 21, and I'll say this, there are things that are happening. You guys know that the moral underpinning of our society, the rug's been pulled out from that. And has that helped us? Or is God allowing us to stew as an Americans in our own foolishness? He's allowing it to happen. Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach, now notice Christ is the answer to both of them. Christ is the answer. Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God 
is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. I have to imagine, you know, we got to read the missionary letter this morning. Andrew Stensis started Truth Radio there in Uganda. And I have to imagine this world, if they knew the caliber of man that Andrew Stensis is, would have thought, why are you going to Africa to start a radio station? You could have done X, Y, and Z. And yet he followed God's plan for his life. And his plan for his life for that period of time was to be the missionary there in Uganda and give those people a gospel. And now, uh, uh, who knows how many thousands are able to hear the preaching of the cross. Because Andrew Stensis said, I'm going to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. I know those people. God doesn't want them to perish. And he surrendered his life to the Lord. And God's plan for his life was to go over there for that time. And the world might look at that as, why would you give up this? Why would you give up that? And if you look at the talents that that man has, he could, have, he could have done so much with his life. But the spiritual man, you know what? I couldn't help but think of these, the, where the Bible says every tongue, nation, tribe will be there at the, uh, before Christ. When this is all said and done, there will be people saved out of every nation. Andrew got to have a part in that. And we got to have a part in that by supporting him. Let me ask you, would God have you to go? You know, Brother Steve was here last week, and maybe you're still wrestling with it. Maybe you're still struggling. Maybe, maybe that God's putting desires in your heart, and you say, man, I, I don't understand all this, but I can't, I can't get this off my mind. Uh, I, I, just, I know Brother Steve was here, and I didn't go forward or anything, but this has really been eating at me this week. And I'm thinking about these people, and I just, man, who's going to get it to them? Isaiah, when he saw the holiness of God lifted up, Remember what God said to him? Who will go? Who will go? And when Isaiah saw the holiness of God, he said, God, I'm undone, I'm unclean. And God, we know, purged his sin there. And Isaiah said, I'll go. I'll tell. And maybe this week, God wants you, there's somebody on your street that God wants you to take the gospel to. Because you know it's not his will that any perish. And, And the world may laugh at that. They may look at it as foolishness. But we have a spiritual understanding. We know what's coming. And because of that, we're going to live out a, a godly life and, and allow the, the will of God to impact our life. Um, so this example, it, it's amazing the way the world looks at the gospel and the way that we look at the gospel. What, in this passage in verse number um, 13, the scripture says, "...which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual." And we know that in God's word, we have His mind. What's God's will for my marriage? You know, you guys looked at that in Sunday school this morning. What's God's will for, for my life? What's God's will for, uh, for the kind of church I should go to? What's God's will for how, my role in the local church? God has something to say about all that, doesn't he? Every area of my life, God has something to say about in his word. There's a spiritual understanding. So let me ask you this morning, what are we filled with? Are we filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There may be a choice that you're trying to make right now, something going on at work, and, and it's going to take us... You have a spiritual understanding, and that's why you know you need to make this certain step. You need to make this certain choice. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell there. Let it fill your heart, fill your mind. And uh, let me challenge you, if you know, something that I need to do more of, I need to memorize more Scripture be thinking about it, putting things to where I would think more about it, be caused to to think of a verse. You know, maybe how many of you guys are post-it people? 
How many guys like post-its? All right, maybe post something on your monitor that says just the reference, and you've already got it memorized, but it helps you to think about it. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. and.